da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Good evening, ma'am, fam, or good morning, as it may be. Don't dictate, Brian. I'll say without whatever I want. This is why we don't let you host. <laughs> I am hosting this episode <laughs> for some reason. Uh, this is Brian. I'm here with my cohorts, Kent. Hello, Kent. Yo. And my other friend, Richard. Uh, I have two friends, Kent and Richard. Mm-hmm. Total. Yeah. In total. I don't have cohort status, though. Yeah, when you said yeah. you were here with your friends, everyone knew who you meant. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's implied. And was, Tobin. Or was, yeah, Tokum. 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 Tokum and J. Daniel Catless are my only friends. J. Daniel Catless? Hey. Somebody's cats named that? I just named your cat that. J. Daniel Catless is my next cat. Kent, you know what we always say, though? Toke them if you got them. Yeah, <laughs> only. Oh, I, I always say that. <laughs> so we're here today. Uh, if you're, if this is the first time you're listening to Mad About Movies podcast, well, first, welcome. And second, uh, what you're getting today is a taste of what we call the VIP club, wherein uh, four times a month, and sometimes more, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes more, we go back and we look at some uh, throwbacks, some great movies of the past, and sometimes some bad movies of the past, if we really are feeling it. Yeah, and uh, and we talk about those movies and break them down and tell inside jokes and uh, host these events at a VIP club where our friends slash patrons slash VIPs cohorts. and cohorts are invited. The, the fabric of choice there, satin, satin, oh, satin jackets, uh, satin. I mean, the entire your entire clothing line right. uh, is usually in satin. Uh, yeah, so this is a taste of that life, if you're unfamiliar with us. So we do our regular movie reviews every month of the big movie in theaters at the moment, typically, every week. And then uh, we also have our throwbacks on the VIP feed. And once a month, we like to give the regular feed a taste of that life. And that's what we're doing today. We're here today to talk about a movie called The Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, we're, we are ve- quickly approaching a new Wes Anderson movie, Isle of Dogs, which should be coming our way in the coming days. And uh, so we thought this would be an opportune time to look back at... Throwback. Throwback. Look at that. Look, Nice segue. To Ken. throw it back. To throw it back to 2002 uh, with the Royal Tenenbaums and, and kind of look at the career of one Wes Anderson. So let's start this way, fellas. Um, would... Let's go with Kent first. Okay. Let me hear, because I don't think we've, we've only talked about Wes Anderson, I believe, once, like formally on the show. We did a Grand Budapest Hotel episode, correct? I don't think we've done any of the other movies. So this is a... Is that true? Wow. I don't think we have, which so, is weird. We haven't no, had... We've, we've done, we did Moonrise Kingdom. Did we? That. Okay. Yep. And that would have been like the very first like three or four months yeah. of yeah. Uh, of our run when we had eight listeners and uh, two of them were my parents. So... Um, this is a chance for us to kind of regroup and talk Wes Anderson and get our... So what I want to hear, Kent and mm-hmm. Richard both, I want to hear your kind of not just your initial thoughts on this movie in particular, mm-hmm. but maybe your introduction to Anderson films and uh, how you feel about him as a filmmaker before we uh, get too deep into the review of this here movie. So Kent, why yeah. don't you start us off? Yeah, I feel like with him, uh, everybody kind of comes on to him in a different way. I mean, uh, a lot of people... Uh, that I know was this movie that kind of introduced them to him or at least displayed what his stylistic sensibilities were about. Um, I like Rushmore. I think Rushmore is probably my favorite Wes Anderson movie just because it, it's still his, 
him behind the camera and the way he shoots things, but it's less quirky maybe than more obscure than maybe his other movies or kind of they, they exist in these very small universes that seem like they only exist in Wes Anderson's mind. And I feel like Rushmore is maybe a bit more approachable story from a general sense and the relationship with Bill Murray and Jason Swartzman is very genuine. And, and so that's kind of the, the penultimate or the, the pinnacle, I should say, uh, Wes Anderson to me is Rushmore still uh, this one in terms of the very Wes Anderson-y Wes Anderson movies yeah, yeah. is probably my favorite uh, because it is. It's such an isolated movie. It's such an isolated story. It's just about this one family, and that's really it. And there's nothing really that happens in the movie that's big other than their family drama. And it's set in a very obscure time that you don't really know. You aren't sure if this is the 1930s or if it's 1990, <laughs> and they just have this weird style about them. I just really think this is maybe the most one of the more creative ones. I know he's taken this style to the extreme with with Grand Budapest in recent years, but I think this is still exists in a time where he was discovering what he was as a filmmaker and what he could do with just his own style. Uh, I think it's such a great intro to the characters in this movie at the <laughs> beginning, where the narration from Alec Baldwin and mixed with just little shots from the kids, like. Uh, other little hobbies that they like to do. Oh, he collects uh, gerbils. Oh, this one has an AV club or, or you know. Uh, I, I love those little, how it's intercut there with little obscure things that um, that really, A, show off his style as a director and B, set up the characters very well and effectively. And, you know, before the movie even really starts uh, with, well, with, with Royal Tenenbaum, um, mm-hmm. Gene Hackman, we have this great sense of this environment and these people and, I think he might set the environment better than any director totally. I've, yeah. I've ever met. And he has intriguing characters that are essentially nobodies. I mean, these are kids right here. Yeah. But I would I would see the movie where it's just the kids right. yeah. version. Yeah. Um, and he, of course, went on to do that with, with mm-hmm. Moonrise Kingdom, uh, surrounded or, um, you know, set around kids and their perspective. But I like that, too. And I, I love the ensemble here. I think it's perfectly cast with... Um, with Hackman and Gwyneth Paltrow and Ben Stiller's and kind of plays this kid, mm-hmm. kid version. He never really grows up and he storms away and he, you know, he dresses his whole family the same and all that. I love that. There's just, there's so much to like about this. And I probably have the least to complain about with this more mm. than even with Rushmore. I probably, this is probably his best, most solid from, from beginning to end movie. And, uh, there's just a lot of technique. This is more to me, a display of his technique, and I'm just having fun making a movie rather than look how good I can make a movie mm-hmm. or look how good of a story I can tell. Yeah. This is just having fun, and everybody's along for the ride. Um, so my introduction, this is probably, Brian, my third movie I saw of his, okay. and it remains in my top three, okay. even, even today. Richard? Right. Yes, yeah, the second one I saw of his after Bottle Rocket. A um, couple things about this. Um, you know, From a director's standpoint, or visually, it's it's unbelievably lush and beautiful and it kind of defined now almost 15 years of like kind of like hipster aesthetic mm-hmm. <laughs> um in a lot of ways that kind of twee uh thing a lot of things now still considered like too cute or too hip or at best a comment on this movie so it's really impactful um it's a it's a lush and beautiful world he's created this kind of upper west side new york of of fantasy mm-hmm. of of indistinguishable time. The cabs are old, but some of the technology is a little newer, but this very analog New York, but all that, all that aesthetic stuff, which has been commented on a ton. This is my favorite screenplay of all time. This oh, wow. is such oh. a great, this screenplay is so funny to me. It's so well written. so well acted. 
Um, you know, it's it's hysterically funny. It's really smart. It's a little show offy, but like in a in a good way, in like a right. Sorkin-y way. Um, I love how dry and droll it is. Um, and I love there's some really <clears throat> there's the moving moving parts of it. You know, um, at the end, I always gosh, I think it's so beautiful and so well acted. You go through all that, and then uh, Chaz looks at his dad at the end. He goes, I had a really bad year, Dad. Yeah. And you're just like, oh. You know, it just breaks your heart. And yeah. uh, But then, yeah, there's just so many. The, the Eli Cash character is written so well. The His books are hilarious. What this book presupposes yeah. is maybe we know We know General <laughs> Custer died at Lick, Little Bighorn. But what this book presupposes is maybe, maybe he didn't. didn't. He ends it on that. Maybe he didn't. And they rode <laughs> off together in the friskalating dusklight. Right. Um, <laughs> So funny. <laughs> um, that character's great. Still was scary. Luke's, we've talked uh, weeks ago about the Wilson thing, but they're both doing what they do best here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, you, you notice all that. I saw this movie in high school and loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it immediately. Um, and then, and, and, and really mimicked it in a lot of my own writing for a long time. Because I was just super influenced by it. And then, uh, but then when you get older and you realize it, you go, this is an incredible ensemble cast, but this is absolutely Gene Hackman's movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's sure. so great in this. Yeah. And it's, to me, his last movie. I know yeah, he yeah, ended up yeah. doing like Welcome to Mooseport and a couple things after this. Runaway but to Cherry, me, yeah. To me, this is the mm-hmm. capstone of, this, yeah. is, this is Gene Hackman saying, I'm out, I'm doing this, mm-hmm. and I everything after this yeah. doesn't exist to me. This is a retirement. Um Gwyneth is greatest as character. I sort of like thought she was this character for a long time, and then, um, but it's weird because she just paints her toenails instead of doing like um, coffee rectal um, <laughs> goop things, which is different. Bill Murray is like the seventh lead in this, uh-huh. and he's great. And then um, uh, Danny Glover is fantastic in this. It's just such a great, great, great movie. Yeah. Um, and it's so. Um, you know, it, it, what people remember is the aesthetic from it, but I think you could shoot this in a normal New York and it's still great. Mm-hmm. I think so too. It's yeah. not the, the, the style of it is an add on, but it's not the substance of the movie. The substance of the movie is really the, this great screenplay, this family story. And I just think it's a great point. And I like it more because the aesthetic's really cool, but uh, I think sometimes people focus on that too much and you kind of, it makes you, when you're thinking about it, you kind of forget what a great movie about family this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just all the, and then Baldwin narrating is awesome. Yeah, it's like uh, it's just so, so cool. And it's and it's this is like a pretentious movie in a lot of ways. But then also you realize it's really commenting on that. Uh, that's like a really pretentious yes. thing for me to say. No, but it's like right. kind of you're mocking right. that. Yeah. So like it ends up not being the humor is actually really mainstream mm-hmm. in this movie. It's not like that dense comedically. Gosh, Dudley. Um, I love Dudley. <laughs> how strange, how bizarre. Can the boy tell time? Oh, God, no. He's like, I'm colorblind? I love that yeah. line. He goes with a highly yes. acute sense of hearing. Yeah. Okay. I'm not colorblind, am I? Yeah. He, <laughs> yes, I'm afraid you are. Um, but, yeah, there's there's just so so many layered jokes. I mean, when <laughs> when Gene Hackman just <laughs> – it's so – it's like – it's funny because it's like Wes Anderson racism when he keeps calling Danny Glover Coltrane. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. I can talk yeah. jive with you. Yeah. Like, it's like. He's oblivious. He's oblivious. That, 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 to me, the most endearing part of this movie is Gene Hackman, for sure. Yeah. And and th- to me, what defines that is this the plot line with Chaz and the boys 
yeah. and Chaz's kids and the fact that Chaz lost his his wife. Mm-hmm. Right. And the line that always kills me and the situation that always kills me is when they go to the cemetery and he's like, I don't want to go. Like, why? He's like, that. you know, my wife is buried there. You know, he goes, oh, we'll have to go run by her grave, too. <laughs> yeah. And he's yeah. being, like, genuine, like, no, I really want to do But he says it in the most the worst, the way, worst possible. way possible, yeah. right? Yeah. He has only the best intentions, yeah. and he completely ruins the situation. Yeah. And then Which, they actually go to the grave, and he's like, oh, sorry, I forgot about her. And then he picks up the flowers <laughs> off the grave and gives them to Chaz to give them to her. And it's just, again, great intentions, horrible, <laughs> horrible way to go about it. And that's the thing with... Uh, with that royal characters are so yeah. conflicted. Is this guy tearing them apart or <laughs> should we be on his side where we want the family to get back together for him? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, they do. Anderson is such a great, <laughs> a great job at bringing that. Cause that's a, that's a character. I feel like that character especially could go in a dozen different directions. And instead it goes this direction. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. This is perfect. Exactly. What it should be. So this was my introduction to Wes Anderson. I hadn't okay. seen Rushmore. Mm-hmm. Hadn't seen bottle rocket. This came out my freshman year of college yep. and, uh, and went to see it with, uh, with my roommate and some friends of ours. And, and I was just, I, I remember coming back in a car full of people and my roommate and I both were really, we loved it. We really enjoyed the, um, the you know the eccentricities and yeah. the, the weirdness of it and all the people that we went to see it with were like i don't get didn't did not care for it at all um and i'm always i would love to go back to those people now and say did so have you come around on west anderson yeah. <laughs> or are you still anti so after this is when i saw rushmore i was aware of rushmore but hadn't hadn't seen it at the time and certainly hadn't seen bottle rocket and see bottle rocket until uh, three or four years later, probably. Um, but I think, and both of you kind of touched on this, I think this is, I think Grand Budapest Hotel is the most Wes Anderson-y of Wes Anderson movies. Like, it feels like kind of a greatest hits sure. uh, collection. And I love that. I think it's his best movie as well, or or second best, maybe. This, I would probably say is now, at this point, is maybe his, for me, is like the third best movie, but it is always where I would go. If someone was like, hey, I've never seen a Wes Anderson movie, I'm interested in Isle of Dogs, um, what should I watch? What should I do yeah, to you get have to lead for with this? this? I would always start with this. I think it is the best introduction to um, what Wes Anderson does uh, on screen and scripting and, and whatnot. It's, it's a, I think if you could come out of this saying, okay, I under, even if you said, I don't really like that, but you could say, I kind of see what he's doing. They're like, okay, now we're going to move on to mm-hmm. these other things because it just feels, um, so Wes Anderson. The thing about Wes Anderson is so charming about it is like, he's not trying to, to do, uh, this weird kitschy style. No, that's it, just what he actually is. Yeah. That and, didn't yeah. exist yeah. before this. People forget. Right. I mean, you can say it about later movies, but he in, he did invent that kind of look, really. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can His say ob- it's kitschy, but like what, it was what? a it was an original aesthetic when he right. made it. So it kind of becomes he always his 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 uh, signatures are the dolly shot, yeah, the painting dolly shot. Or uh, and um, of course centering everything in the in the frame. Yep. Mm-hmm. Normally you use rule of thirds in cinema, which is you know the the right third or the left third of the screen to kind of so your eyes move around the screen. Yep. Well, he's like, nope, you're going to look in the middle, and we could crop it on both edges, and you'd still get ninety nine percent of the action. Mm-hmm. And he's obsessive to the point of like where on his monitor he'll put a, a black line in the middle and be like, stand a little bit to the left. Okay, there, perfect. You right. know, kind yeah. of a thing. And uh, I think it works. And it's so. It's the last time I let you put a knife. It's in so me. subconsciously there, 
that you don't you know like why is this different? It's yeah. like just those small rules of filmmaking that he kind of breaks and uh, and does it perfectly. Yeah. But I love this the set that I really like and the set piece that I really like is Life Aquatic mm. when they're doing the Bellafont and it's the cross sectioned uh, ship right and they're going from from room to right. room where it's all cross sectioned out like an old cross section book would be or something. Yeah. I love that trope and he he just has these own. There's only little things that only he could get away with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would honestly feel weird if anybody else kind of did what he did, but I, I I just have a hard time imagining indie filmmaking without him yeah. a part of it. Yeah. I just think that there's this voice that he has that is much needed, and a much needed part of uh, that culture yeah. and, uh, and independent filmmaking. Right, yeah, and I mean, his he he's one of the filmmakers, and this is not particularly insightful criticism but i enjoy a filmmaker that you know immediately as soon as you turn on a yeah. movie, oh this is a wes anderson movie that's cool the auteur, yeah yeah there's mm-hmm. a style to it mm-hmm. and no he definitely he definitely has that and, and it's hard to fake too because we've seen it, yeah, so many it rip you see people try to rip it off and it doesn't work because it never it never feels as authentic and, as this and does. the thing that's always this lost on him it, it, it kind of again i mean i talked about how i love this script and the story and the dialogue and all that and people mimic kind of mumble Corey mm-hmm. dialogue but mm-hmm. here's the thing that they forget every time these jokes are funny right yeah yeah totally that's yeah. the part they always leave out it's like this is a funny script it's uh-huh. it's overtly comic and so like people like kind of try to cheat the system and just like well if we just shoot it like this and have these these tones well mm-hmm. then it'll be a Wes Anderson movie he's like no no you actually have to have content right yeah you know I wish he had done this for me when we were kids. We didn't have a drug problem back then. <laughs> yes. Well, it's still what it meant a lot. It's a great joke. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so they don't have that. So yes. uh, that that's what's key here. It's 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 really great comic writing. Mm-hmm. And then let's layer on the style. Right. Well, you know, yeah, it's it, everybody tries to do it in reverse. At yep. that. At best, <laughs> or or forgets the uh, the comedic aspect of that. So this movie has a ton of great. I I feel like we should just say we're gonna spoil at this point. Yeah, the movie's it's fifteen years old. years old. Yeah, seventeen. Whatever it is. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, I think you know Bill Murray is my favorite person in the world, pretty much, including my family. And um, but th- this is maybe his uh least necessary role yeah. in one of these movies I think up until Grand either. Budapest I mean you you could really sub in pretty much anybody for this but I do think he has um one of the three best lines in the whole and it's it's most it's so Bill Murray deadpan humor when uh, the private investigator turns over the file on Margot, and he reads through it, and you see all the stuff that's happening and he just looks down and looks up at the investigator and goes she smokes. Yeah. It's a perfect joke and it, it fits right in line with yep. uh, the, the Murray humor. And you, for me, like watching the rewatching this movie last night with, with Lindsay and with some of our friends, I, you know, I'm going through that as I know this movie really well. I've yeah. seen it a dozen times and I'm watching Bill Murray and thinking he's not really necessary to be in this movie. You no. could sub him with anybody. And then he hits that line and I'm like, that's the one that's yeah. where I need Bill Murray instead of, Daniel Hayde or somebody, yeah. you know. And the I cool thing there. is, after Rushmore, too, I think the easy thing to do, and I, I don't know the logistics of this. Maybe he just wasn't available for a full shoot or something. But you would, if you would, you think, well, Bill Murray's in the next movie. Well, you give him the Tenenbaum part. Yeah, yeah. But, but it, the genius is, is that Hackman's so much better for right. that part. And he's just maniacal in right. this. And he's yeah. unbelievable. So funny when <laughs> the beginning, again, it's all in the intro where they're playing the Hey Jude under it. You know? Yeah. 
and he shoots the, Chaz with a BB gun, and he's like, "You're on my team. There are no teams." Yes. <laughs> when he ruins Margot's, he ruins Margot's uh, birthday party. Yeah, and then they're all just like, "This is my adopted uh, daughter, Margot Tenenbaum." I mean, that's just one man's preface. opinion. Just one man's right, opinion. exactly. It's a great bit. Oh, that oh, hand Lord. that they show with the BB in it is actually. Uh, Andrew Wilson's hand. Oh, I thought Owen it was Cooper Wilson. Manning's. Yeah. <laughs> Owen Wilson had shot him with a BB gun in, in their childhood or something, which I thought was funny. You know who is, is I would say, low-key MVP of the movie? Dudley. Pagoda. Pagoda. Pagoda is the goat. <laughs> I love Pagoda. And Angelica Houston, too. We didn't mention her. She, yes. I love oh, Angelica Houston, but she is kind of hard to use. Yeah, totally. She has, and this is a perfect use yeah, of her. this is perfect. I wish she was in more stuff, but I kind of understand why she's right. not. Because she's a, she's a very... She's, she's like a port wine. Yeah. You know, she's got to do commercials with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Right. No, I know. I'm glad she does, though, because she <laughs> deserves to be rich, because she's awesome. Right. She is great. Uh, you mentioned Pagoda. Pagoda... That is my favorite. When he stabs him. It's my favorite scene <laughs> in any Wes Anderson movie still to this day. I, I don't know that when he, when he just whips out that tiny little Swiss Army knife and just goes, you son of a bitch, stabs him. <laughs> and then immediately and then helps the, him into the cab. That's the last time you put a knife in me yeah. is the funniest, to me, is the funniest 20 seconds in any Wes Anderson movie. It <laughs> he, kills You can me. tell he's been thinking about it yes. for like 20 yes. years. Yes, or he's uh, got to avenge. I think it's perfect. Everything. I think it's a perfect joke. The crickets and the rust beetles scuttled among the nettles <laughs> of the sage thicket. Vamanos, amigos, he whispered, and threw the busted leather flint crawl over the loose weave of the saddlecock. And they rode on in the frisklighting dusklight. <laughs> he closes the book. <laughs> Just so many dumb adjectives so in that. Weird. <laughs> it's such so, bad, poorly written. So funny. So good, though. So pretentious. Uh, this is my favorite. We're, we're watching it as we record Yeah. It. This is my favorite scene. It's just a static wide shot of uh, Royal and Angelica Houston. He's telling her, I'm dead or I'm dying, mm-hmm. and then she freaks out and runs away. <laughs> but it's all on that one static wide. There's no cutting between yeah. them. I love that setup, mm-hmm. and it's maybe the most memorable scene in the movie uh, to me in terms of quotability and impact and all yeah. that. I think mm-hmm. it's great. Great, uh, great moment. Um, but as well, is she ends up with Danny Glover in the end, right? Yeah. And it kind of shows that they can still get along and be yeah, happy but, and not right. be married, and that's yeah. fine too. You know? As much as anything, it's kind of about finding a closure as it uh-huh. is about yeah. um, redeeming himself. You know, it's just like okay, here we go, we're moving on from that. Yeah, that's and it's and it works really well. I love the sequence with him and his grandkids. Mm. I think it's so funny. Uh, just. The shoplifting and the hopping on the uh, on the the garbage truck and stuff. I think it it's. You said earlier, Richie, it kind of feels that this. You think of this as Gene Hackman's last performance, mm-hmm. and I, I agree with you. And it, and it feels like that's a <laughs> that's a rare moment where you just kind of see him enjoying, or you know, the acting is enjoyment, and he doesn't do that just a whole lot. He doesn't put on. Uh, a, a happy face yeah. too often, no. and to see him, um, you know, hanging out with these kids, I think is kind of the perfect close. Oh, to, it's super to fun his career. in moving, in moving. Yeah, that, yeah. That the watching the character come around and say, "I was a yeah, essentially a crap father, but I'll be a great grandfather." Right. Yeah. Is is this is a you know the, for for a movie that at least with its dialogue the way it's delivered, it kind of removes emotion. It's, I find it a moving movie in a lot of ways. I always forget. <laughs> oh. <laughs> when I haven't seen the movie in, in a couple of years, I forget about how um, how dark it gets. Yeah. Right. And how um, that he, you know, he uses that for, for real dramatic effect as well as... Um, then allowing that to play into further comedy as as the third act 
kind of concludes. But did I hit the dog? <laughs> Is he dead? Uh, <sighs> right, I need people. help. Um, <laughs> that's what yeah. brings him around. Yeah. It's so funny. So great. But yeah, the, the, I hate the when dogs die. Though that so. sequence with with Luke Wilson, especially when it gets oh, yeah. really dark. I think darker than anything in well, any especially of, with the the, of his the later context of yes. of Owen Wilson yes. kind of attempting uh-huh. the same thing. Yeah, it takes on this kind of right. Macabre meaning. It's mm. maybe the plotline that works least for me is Margot being adopted and being and the thing with Richie and being in yeah, love with like her own brother kind of thing. Right. So I watched this movie last night with with my wife Lindsay and, and another friend who's never seen this movie and a few other people who had. But and that's always the um, that was the bridge too far for right. um, for everybody. To me, it's always it's very easy to write it off as just it's you know it's a silly movie and it's it's whatever. But um, it for for the people that were watching with me, it was like that's just it got weird. It got really weird there. I'm like, well, yeah, it got weird. It's a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, but, he, he goes uh, there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I I it is a strange. It's a strange bit. It's a it's a weird uh, plot weird addition that, that he really hammers hard. It's not like. It's not like the you know the backstory or something like it's a real uh, legitimate. Yeah, his plot use point. of slow mo in this movie is yeah. great too. Yeah, not uh-huh. only this scene where Margot walks off the bus and Richie's waiting there for him in his headband. I love that. Yeah, love um, the headband. But at the end of the movie, when they're leaving the funeral and mm-hmm. it all goes to slow mo mm-hmm. as they're walking yeah. away, and I love that Chaz, Ari, and Uzi have black tracksuits. Yes, the yes, for the funeral. <laughs> That's yeah. so good. Got an Al Davis it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I love the soundtrack in this movie. Soundtrack's too. a great, Maybe better than I think, better than any of these other movies. That Life Aquatic I, one's pretty. Great. Life Aquatic's good so too. George. This one's so Dude, good. Really. The, um, I read that uh, this they use these days for this scene where it's slow mo between yeah. Margot and Richie, and that Jackson Brown had forgotten that he licensed the the song to this movie, so he's just sitting watching the movie, and, and that came on. I was like. This sounds really good, and then realize like, oh right, that's me playing guitar right now. Okay, that's awesome. My bad. Yeah. That is a good story. I, I think I think you're right. I think it uh, it has like, everything going for it, pretty much. Yeah. It's got a little obscurity to it, but also that approachability that you that you always want. So that's probably what I remember it most for. It's just such a good. It's so well written. It is. It, you're you're right. I guess I hadn't thought of how. I mean, I know it got it got an Academy nomination for screenplay, um, but the I love too that it the screenplay is great. Using it in the title cards like that with the kind of the book, the yeah. novel, or whatever yeah. is is a really cool touch mm-hmm. and in highlights how good uh, this script is and how you know the work that he's done on that. Oh man, really his cool. his dedication to building characters is incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about the Raleigh St. Clair character and mm-hmm. he. He had this whole backstory on this is the book he's written. This right. is what the yeah. book's called. Yeah. This is what it's about. This is, you know, and same with uh, Danny Glover, too. And Wes Anderson uses that one font, Futura, all the time mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. every sign, on every uh, title card in, this, in the movie. And that's just another thing that's very Wes Anderson is he's basically adopted that font face as his official font. Sure. It, it's <laughs> not just this movie. In all of his movies, yep. it's that one uh, bold Futura typeface yeah and that's a really yeah. easy way for him to brand himself to his typography which he does does very well sure and uh yeah man the the you, i'm glad you mentioned it because the music does add so much to the aesthetic it does mm-hmm. the beginning forms uh, the movie the intro could be cold otherwise where they're showing the intro of the characters and they're all you know it's basically a headshot of each person and it's like bill murray as raleigh st Clair and uh, and all Shows that him getting ready it's all morning. completely silent except for the music that's mm-hmm. playing under it is very quirky uh violin picking you know yeah 
Um, it's just almost everything that he does. He was like, all right, here's the music that's going to be playing. Here's the exact way, you know, we're going to be shooting it in this frame rate. Like he, I, he probably storyboards more than any director. I would think sure. he's knowing yeah. he's, he's not a guy that's going to go wing it on set. He yeah. knows exactly what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to do it. And here's the shot I need. And um, he's a genius for it. He's a true yeah. artist. Like, I can honestly say that. Yeah, yeah totally. Is. Have you guys seen the, there's a coffee table book uh, by, uh, that Matt Zoller cites wrote. And there's a couple of illustrators that called the Wes Anderson collection. If y'all haven't seen no. that, I totally recommend it. I need it. to. It's I got it for Christmas a couple years ago. And it's the, it's, it's about his creative process. And, oh, cool. And um, some of the, some of the scripts and things like that. It's really interesting and really, really well done. You know, and Grand, Grand Budapest came out. Yeah, and I was, was just went back uh, during that time and watched or heard, listened to all his commentaries, and just I was so interested in his process, and that's how I found out about uh-huh. the, the fonts and everything. Um, very good. So, if we were to grade this thing out, Richard, this this ranks for you on your top ten, does it not? Or all time? Yeah, this is in my top ten uh, for sure. It's my favorite screenplay ever. It's a top ten movie ever. I'm sure, at certain points in my life, it was my number one movie ever. I love mm. this movie. I find it uh, so interesting. And I'm actually not. I don't consider myself a great Wes Anderson fan. I probably wouldn't put him in my top mm. five directors. Certainly. Um, you I mean, I like him. Yeah. But I, I'm not as high on Moonrise Kingdom as some people. I, lo- I like Grand Budapest Hotel. I hate Darjeeling Limited. Uh, Life Aquatic is spotty to me, you yeah. know, so on and so forth. Like mm-hmm. I, I have criticism with some of his stuff. Um, th- to me, this is perfect. This is a perfect sure. movie. To me, I, 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 I definitely like the this time up until probably Life Aquatic and everything before that more than what came after that, where okay. he just completely. Hmm went nuts with his style. Yeah. I think I I'm more on too. that side of the him building his his style rather than now that I know what I am, here's what I'm going to do with yeah. it. Um, so we'll see. Isle of Dogs looks strong, and it's definitely a subject that's obscure, and I'm excited to see where. I like his animation, yeah. of course. Yeah. I think he has really good sensibilities. His, his Grand, style works well for that. Grand Budapest, to me, was really a return to him, him as a really fine screenwriter. He, did he write yes. that? Was that with Roman Coppola? I think so. Yeah. He either writes with Coppola or with uh, with Owen Wilson, and uh, and I thought that that screenplay was real. You know, it's cool. Like when you have the style and the cool and the different aspect ratio and stuff, that's great. But you got to have the jokes. Mm. You know, if it's if it's a quirky comedy, those jokes better be funny if you're going to quirk it. And I I thought he really did that in in sure. Grand Budapest. So Very hopefully, cool. Isle of Dogs is more of that from a screenplay perspective. Yeah. Okay. Um, where are we going to grade this one out? I think it's as solid of an A as yeah. he can have. A plus for me. Yeah, it's an A plus for me. I think I think I would have this third on his best movies list. I think I'd put Grand Budapest and Moonrise Kingdom ahead of this one, but they're all A pluses to me. And then those would be my three those would also be my three favorites, I think, in some I, Moonrise Kingdom is probably my favorite of his films. And then uh then Budapest and, and this Bottle Rocket, I used to say was my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but over the course of the last few years, I I find that I have watched Bottle Rocket enough mm-hmm. to where I'm just like I don't I don't really I, it's not that I don't want, it, but I, I don't feel the need to <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel the need to revisit that one yeah. like I do uh, Grand Budapest and Moonrise Kingdom and and this one as well. It had been five or six years since I've seen uh, Tenenbaums, 
because Lindsay hadn't seen it, and so I, wow. I tended to say, oh, I'll wait until we're going to, you know, she'll so watch the, that. So last night was me. her first time? First time she'd seen the movie, yeah. What'd she think? She liked it a lot, but the Richie Margot thing. Yeah, was, weirded her out. Weirded her out a little bit, but yeah, she she really enjoyed it. Um, so I hadn't watched it in a long time. Great. The, all of his movies are great on Criterion, but the this one in particular yeah, I have it. is really, really is good. It? What do you mean? But it, you know, every there's criterion, it's, it's, there's a book inside with a with essays on on the. Uh, I think this the is the DVD, DVD version. Is I don't really have the Blu-ray. Good. I need to get this the Blu-ray version yeah. of this. Yeah, all of his. If you're even if you're not a big um, physical media person, I think we've recommended Criterion dozens of times. But I think all of his movies, except for Grand Budapest, are on Criterion, and they all have. I think I've got them all except for Darjeeling, and they've all got great editions and really cool artwork. Very cool, very cool. So it's well, an A plus for me. Cool. I, I think I I would rank it out as a solid A. Sweet. Um, yeah. So A plus and A and top ten of all time. So that's great. That's that's pretty solid. <laughs> that's pretty solid. Exactly. So we're looking forward to talking more uh, Wes Anderson in these coming days. We have a guest for that episode as well. So join us for that when uh, Isle of Dogs hits theaters. And uh, between now and then. Kent, where can we find you on the internet? Find me on the internet at Kent Garrison on Twitter, Instagram, and Snap. See me over there. Richard. You can find me on all the social medias out there at uh, Richard Barden. Brian, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Head over that direction for episodes and blogs and all kinds of fun stuff. Make sure you join our VIP club. What's the link for that? madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP sweet hit that you can subscribe you get for as little as a dollar a week you get access to cool exclusive audio like this in addition to a lot of other fun stuff Uh, follow us on Twitter at madaboutmovies and on Instagram and find us on everywhere that you can find people and places and things Mm -hmm. we would love to uh, interact with you in those platforms but until next time we will see you at the cinema bye Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya-ya Yeah.